Welcome back, guys, to the Days by Dubes podcast. This is episode six. We're, uh, we're on a long run here. We're doing great with the interviews. Everything's going good, and I hope this is just going to be a good time for everybody now. Uh, we have a super special guest today. I'm at the Soldier's Home in Holyoke, and uh, it's my honor to introduce World War II veteran Hector Page, a.k.a. Tony. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, welcome. So, I feel honored. I'm super honored to have you. I'm super excited for this. Well, that's good. So, um, we're gonna start off with a couple basic questions so people can like understand you and understand yeah. your age and stuff like that. So, uh, just give me your name, Hector Tony Page. There we go. So, what year were you born, or when's your birthday? 1921. Wow. August 9th, 1921. Now, what's your age now? 97 and three quarters, and it's the last quarter that I'm worried about. <laughs> <laughs> and you grew up in Chicopee, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, what were your initial thoughts on World War II? Well, I remember, believe it or not, reading in 1933 about Adolf Hitler was just coming up in Germany. And people, it was in articles in the paper, and he was uh, somebody that we didn't know much about. And I watched him in the newsreels progress to the point where he uh, invaded Poland. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, we were all very upset, the fact that he was being so successful. And... Uh, Everybody in this country would realize that sooner or later something would have to be done to stop him because he conquered uh, Poland and the Balkans, and then he went in and he conquered France, and we knew that uh, he had to be stopped. So we were watching things. Were you scared? Were you real? Were you like really scared about it? No, like no, we were angry. <laughs> yeah. We wanted something done about them. Mm -hmm. Everybody in this country was up in arms. We had a lot more patriotism than we have today. But yeah, definitely. You know. So, oh, sorry, cut you off. No, that's it. You can keep. Oh, okay. Um, what age were you when you enlisted? I was twenty. Let's see, August of 24, 21. Wow. So why why did you enlist? How did you feel? Well, after Pearl Harbor, I, I, uh, Pearl Harbor, 1941, we declared war the next day, mm -hmm. and you couldn't get near a recruiting station. Really? People were swarming to enlist. Wow. And I knew that I would have to go mm -hmm. sooner or later. So I, I applied to uh, to be a, a part of a, the aviation group, yep. uh, and I applied to be uh, what they had in those days. Uh, the Air Force was not the Air Force; it was part of the Army. Yeah, they called it the Army Air Corps, and I enlisted to try to become a pilot. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were three categories of flight crews, actually four: the pilot, co-pilot. Bombardier, navigator, and area gunners. Mm -hmm. Well, I 
I enlisted in July of 42, and uh, they finally called me uh, a couple of months later. But by the time I got in, there was a surplus of pilots. Yeah. And we were tested. And uh, I found myself qualified as an aerial gunner. <laughs> How was the testing? Was the testing like, was it a difficult test that you had to go through? Uh, yes, there were basic training, which I well the pictures, but but uh, it was the aviation cadet training was like West Point, like you see in the arm in uh, West Point. So intense, almost hazing. Yep. We had uh, I I left in January, and I went to Nashville, Tennessee, and we were. Uh, I was in a group of future aviation cadets, and we were a separate group, and uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and we were not used to military discipline, you know, yeah. but, but they, they pulled us out, and we had a, a special slacks and sweatshirts, you know, mm -hmm. and they said, fall out. And they put us in a formation, and then we did double time, <laughs> four miles. Wow! And it's cold, and our noses are running, and and you got to be in step. And the instructors were former wrestlers, boxers, trainers, and I know Jordan White said, "Let them run, let them run, <laughs> keep it up, keep it up, four miles." Wow. I said, uh-oh, <laughs> this is not like flying a plane. <laughs> you know what it was? Discipline. Yeah. Discipline. And uh, I took the tests, and they t told me that uh, it was a, everybody wanted to be a pilot. They had a surplus. So you're now an aerial gunner. <laughs> so they sent me to aerial gunnery school. Now, when I was a kid, in my teens, my one of the BB gun, you know. Yeah. My father said, you're going to shoot your brother's eye out. You can't have it. <laughs> I got out of high school. Four years later, I was sitting in front of a 50 caliber machine gun. Just field stripping it, <laughs> taking it apart. Wow. We went to the course. And then the test passed the test. He blindfolded you. Take it apart. And just like nothing, you just did it like take, take, easily? Yep. Hey, within 30 seconds. Oh. <laughs> then they put some defective parts. Put it back together. You had to find those parts. Wow. Well, we were trained. We did it. So was it, would they just drill it into your head? Like you were just so into doing it constantly that it just finally became we muscle were, memory? Was, our whole life was training. Our whole life was training. Wow. They trained us. We learned it. And they tested you. If you didn't, you were out. We didn't want to go out. Yeah. Well, at the end of the gunnery school, you qualified. We learned how to how to run the, the engines. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, and at the end of gunnery school, you graduated, you were assigned, you sent, you went to a f airplane factory. Yep. And at that factory, 
you met a pilot that came from another place, a pilot, co-pilot. You assembled a crew wow. at so the it's, factory. It was all across all walks of life. Well, not all walks of life, but all different areas. And all, they yes, just, but they were all trainers. They were yeah. all trained in their specialties. Other gunners. In other words, we were a crew. Mm-hmm. When the plane come off the line, that was our plane. We got in that plane and wow. off we went. So it was, a, it was a line almost. So it was like they were building the plane up, and then at the very end, they just sent you on your way? Yep. Wow. Yeah, well, for training. We yeah. didn't go directly in combat, but yeah. we went to – a lot of them went to Europe, England. A lot of them went to – and I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting for my orders, and I got the, the big disappointment. We're going to keep you here as an instructor. Well, I was – kind of disappointed yeah but that's what you did they told you mm-hmm. what to do yeah so i was an instructor for almost three years and i sent a lot of boys overseas a lot of them didn't come back well at the end of the, at and at when you went overseas as a as a gunner or a flight crew if you survived 35 missions mm-hmm. they sent you home wow and those boys came back and they had combat experience. So they made them instructors. And guys like me, I was assigned to a B-29 crew. Mm-hmm. And we were headed for the Pacific when the war ended. Yep. But the B-29 was the one that was the, that was the, one that <laughs> dropped the crew. The, uh, yeah, I uh, saw your uh, picture in the scrapbook. Yeah. That was incredible. Yeah. That's when I was working well, on the crew that we were hoping we could get over there, but yeah, you know. I um I have a question here. It was like when so it was the Pacific Theater. Where was there like a specific area that you were looking to go to if you could go to somewhere? Well, uh, we all wanted to bomb Tokyo. Yeah, <laughs> and some of them dropped the atomic bomb. That's incredible. One of the crews dropped the atomic bomb. Yeah. What were your thoughts on the atomic bomb? Like, were you were you like in, into it? Like, were you like, I, we need to drop the bomb, or were you like, we just need to keep bombing them? Well, I'll tell you. When we got air bases close enough to Japan to bomb it, we tried bombing from high levels. Yeah, and it wasn't accurate. So then. The head of the Air Force, uh, General Curtis LeMay, he was <laughs> didn't fool around with him. He didn't like bombing. He says it's not getting anywhere. So he decided to send the the bombers in at five thousand feet, oh, and the pilots went crazy. It's suicide. Yeah. Well, they did it, and uh, they suffered a lot of casualties. Oh. So then he changed his mind. He sent them up higher elevations, but they didn't drop bombs. They dropped incendiaries. Oh, that's and they burned. They burnt the towns. And I mean, I remember seeing pictures, entire just wiped out, burned to the ground, flames, flame burning. And uh, then the, the Japs would not give up. So then they developed the atomic bomb, and 
it was even the scientists who invented it were against dropping it because they knew that what it would create, yeah. and it was opening up a Pandora's box. Yeah, so many new weapons. And, and it was the beginning. Well, the president, Harry Truman, has to, had to make the final decision, and it was one of the horror, grave decision. And he, this, he, they estimated that over a million American casualties would suffer if we tried to invade Japan. Yeah. And he did. He, he knew what the destruction with the atomic bomb was. And he decided it's worth it's more to save our million boys. And to, so he did it. But they warned the Japanese for a week. Really? And the political people uh, in Japan wanted to surrender, but the military would not let them. Mm -hmm. And the emperor, they, the emperor was the one that made the decision, and the military kept the uh, emperor sequestered, sort of. And finally, they had to drop it. And right then and there, that was the end. And uh, I, I don't know if I told you, saw in my book, my birthday was August. They dropped the uh, first bomb on the 8th of August. My birthday was the 9th. And we knew the war was over. And that's when I went in the back. I, everybody, had, the world's over. People are going crazy at peace at last, you know. Churches were jammed. People were thanking yeah. God all over. And that's when I wrote my little poem. Yeah, I. It's oh, it's just crazy. I mean, his uh, his decision to not send any more troops had to have been one of the best decisions because the oh, way boy. it was looking, just when they were island hopping, was it was just so many casualties so quickly. It was, it had to have been done. The thing is, the reason for the island hopping was to get air base. Yeah to get closer, but it was, uh, uh, I'm so grateful to be able to have seen this and been part of that era that it'll, people, we're going to have to have that again before the people come back to, to uh, unify in this country, because this country right now is split apart. Yes. It's terrible. It really is. And it's because... They never had the hard times that we went through. Yeah. But I don't regret one day of it. <laughs> Not one. Yeah. Now, I saw I saw within your scrapbook that there was a picture with you and a bunch of guys, and it said that you would go out on pass. Yeah. Now, what would you guys do when you'd go out on pass when they let you go? Well, the boys would go to a bar. I didn't drink much, and I hung around, mm -hmm. you know, or else uh, I went to a bullfight in Mexico. <laughs> that was something to see. But we we had a good time. Yeah. We, we didn't get in too much trouble. You know, I remember one time we went to Mexico, and we come across the, the boat back to come back, and you could buy a bottle of Four Roses. That was, that was the best 
liquor you could buy. You paid ten, twelve dollars a bottle a year. You could buy it down there for for four dollars. So one of the boys come back. He had his bottle, and he got at the border. The MPs, you know, went through the through the but <laughs> they took it away. They said, "You can't take that into the country." Yes, I can. You can. You smashed it against a pillar. Well, if I can't, you ain't going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> we had some good times. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. Did you uh, Did you have any, like, super, super memorable moments from, like, flight school or cadet school? Something okay. that you'll just remember forever? Well, I remember, oh, so much. So much. I remember when... Once we were, this is a humorous thing. Mm -hmm. Now, we had a lieutenant that was running. We had a, we had a big uh, thing like this, a room like this, on a, on a tower mm -hmm. and windows, and we each had our little signing station for our, you know, we used to track, and we had a camera. And there's a circle in there. And that little circle, a circle of dots, and there was a dot in the middle. And you had the handle, and you made the circle bigger or smaller. Mm -hmm. And we we had windows all around, and we had a little plane that used to come down below. And we were supposed to put the circle of dots on each wing and the and the, the one in the center. And as he got he was small. As he got bigger, we made him bigger. You pull the trigger, and, and your guns were supposed to be coordinated to hit that plane. Mm -hmm. And we had a, a lieutenant that we didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we used to have little microphones that we used to 12 o'clock high, 4, four o'clock low, you know, explain where the plane's coming from. And every now and then we'd say, 42. 42. We knew what that meant. And finally, he said, What does that 42 mean? Nobody wants to tell him. <laughs> F you. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good time. <laughs> we didn't like him. <laughs> We had we had a good time. We enjoyed ourselves. We were close. We were close. Yeah. I some of my boys, I don't know how they made it or not. But we had a, a good crew. I went I went to uh, the, one of the instructor schools they sent us to from Florida to New Orleans to uh, Texas. And uh, we got to New Orleans and we had to change trains. We had mm -hmm. a, a, a time to, so we ended up in the French Quarter, you know, yep. and we saw the New Orleans. It's a very, very nice, on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> on my birthday. Yeah. We had some good times. We had some good times. So how many men exactly would be able to fit into, like, the airplane? Like, how many dudes were with you? Like, the, you said, like, Ray, as it came off the fact that you'd go with the plane, how many men exactly, like, were On with the crew, the, a, yeah. a crew was ten, nine or ten. 
mm-hmm. on a B-17, a four-engine plane. Yep. Uh, the smaller planes, maybe five. Depends, you know, the smaller crew, yeah. smaller plane. Didn't need them. But uh, the B-17 was a four-engine, and there was a nose gunner. There was a, a ball turret gunner. Yep. There was a top turret gunner. There's two waist gunners and a tail gunner. So there's six gunners there. And then uh, the navigator, he had his position. He had a gun at the top top of the plane. But uh, it was very, very interesting. And we didn't realize at the time how important what we were doing. We just took it as routine as we're supposed to do. Yeah. Now, I sat in that top turret of the B-17. I don't know if you know what it looks like. Yeah, I've seen them before. Well, there was two machine guns. Yep. And I used to, planes used to come up, they'd come down. But when those guns went through low enough, they would, the bullets would hit the propellers. Oh, really? So what we had was... When you move the turret, we program the turret so that when the, the guns got within that area, they shut off. Oh, okay. They call it a, a, a gun interrupter switch. And we used to adjust that. There were two little points, you know, like in a car, I don't know, if you, uh, two contact points. Mm-hmm. And when you when you press a trigger, it closed. And, and when you got near there, they opened. Mm-hmm. Now, you had to adjust that with 40 thousandths of an inch. To, you had a feeler, you know? Yeah. And we adjusted it. And so guy said, well, what are you going to do if you don't have a feeler gauge? You know what we used? What? A dime. <laughs> <laughs> we had a dime. We improvised. It worked. That's crazy. That's really cool, though, that you're able to do that, like, well, I was careful when when I got near those things. I raised the thing. <laughs> I didn't dare because I was riding in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So you guys said you were really close. I have right here for a question: Were you guys like family? I very, take it you very, definitely very were close. like family. Very close. When when the 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 fella that the gunner that was in the ball turret underneath. Yep. We had to crank him up. Really? Uh, the B twenty nine B B twenty four four engine. They had a motor to bring them up, mm-hmm. but on the B seventeen, you had to crank them down. When it when it opened up, I don't know if you remember, the guns were pointing down. Yeah, and the door was at the, up in the top of the plane. Mm-hmm. He opened the door, and the guy stepped in. He closed the door, and then they brought it down. He's laying down in it. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I, yeah. I got you, yeah. Now, if the plane got in trouble and, the, and they're, they're going to have to go, somebody had to bring him up. Mm-hmm. And there was a written written agreement by all the crew. If we don't get you up, we're, we're going down with you. Yeah. And they, the first thing they did is get him out of there. Yeah. That's totally understandable too, yeah. because that's. It was very, very loyal. Yeah. yeah. Was was that like turret the most deadly one to operate? Would you say? No. I mean, it was a hard. It was hard because you're laying down. Yeah. 
but we had guys laying down in the tail, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was up in the coop there, up in that little little glass jug. It wasn't uh, it wasn't very comfortable. No, I bet. I, I, well, I don't know. You saw my picture there. It yeah. was dressed up very. <laughs> didn't want to, not like being in a movie house. No. <laughs> yeah. Man, super super interesting. Like, um, how far away was like so. You're you're from Chickabee. Where were the other guys from? Like all over. All over. I had one boy. I never forget him. Glenn Cunningham is it? Came from West Virginia. Chewing <laughs> <laughs> tobacco. He always had a pouch of chewing tobacco. Called the chewing tobacco was called meal pouch. Meal pouch. Well, he couldn't get meal pouch buried at the base. So he wrote to the factory and they sent him a big, big box of mail pouch. <laughs> Another time, uh, we had the helmets, you know, mm -hmm. and we had the, the speakers. And there was two cups, plastic cups that the speakers fit, fit in there and they were tight. Yeah. And uh, also on the helmet, there was hooks on each side. So that we could hook our oxygen mask on. Mm -hmm. Well, we had to wear the helmet to wear the oxygen mask, and we had that. So one of the guys in my crew, from he was around. I remember he's from Somerville. He wrote to the Boston Red Sox, and he asked that he explained that, and he was wondering if they sent us nine. Boston Red Sox caps, and he sold the clips on the caps, then we wouldn't have to wear that helmet. Yeah. Because we could put the oxygen mask right. Well, we got a nice letter from Tom Yaki. Oh, you congratulations, boys. You're doing a fantastic job. Unfortunately, it's not our policy to give away our baseball. <laughs> so he said, To hell with you. He wrote to the New York Yankees. <laughs> And we got nine baseball caps <laughs> with, with a congratulation from the Ed Barrows at home the Yankees. And that's why I'm wearing that Yankee cap. That's so, that's crazy. That's it's crazy. That's nuts. Those are memories. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> that's something I'll remember forever. Those are memories. Man. Yeah. But that's, that's the extent of our, our military. I enjoyed every moment of it. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I was so proud. I, I had several of my good friends that never came back. I had a cousin who never came back, cousin from Chicopee. Wow. He was on Okinawa. He was a sergeant. He had a platoon out, and, and he spotted a jack up in a tree. He yelled, Sniper! So all these guys were down. Yeah. It's the last thing he ever did in his life. Oh, Killed him right there. So sad. That's terrifying, too. Never forget those things. Another one, another kid uh, lived right near the Assumption Church near my grandmother. Armand Fontaine, I know him. He's in a ship, sunk. He's in the water. Jack Plane. Killed them in the water. They were they were merciless. Friends of mine. Totally merciless the entire oh, yeah. war. 
It's no way. It was awful. And we got letters telling us about that, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were serious. Down deep, we were very serious. Yeah. Well, I talked enough. No, not at all. <laughs> More questions. Were you, were you terrified? Like, say if you went out there, were you terrified of, like, Japanese planes and stuff? Or were you guys, like, fearless with we it? We wanted to get them, knock them down. We, <laughs> we weren't scared of them. And we had no sympathy. Japanese, when we have, our Americans used to bail out. They used to get down and shoot them when they parachutes. Wow. Did they teach you that? Like, were they, were they, like, if, if you guys get shot down or if you're, like, in the verge of, like, going down, did they, like, tell you, like, jump out? And then if, what, did they ever tell or talk about if you got captured oh, or stuff course. like we that? Used to, we used to drill on, uh, on bailing out. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You didn't open the chute right away. Because if you did, it might get tangled in the in the tail, it might get tangled in the wings. You waited till you were clear. Yeah. And then opened it up. <laughs> Hopefully. Did, did, did you did you jump out of planes a lot? Like, were they always drilling you to no, like, they, show they, you how? They, they trained us from a tower mm -hmm. to, uh, to bail out from a tower. Mm -hmm. You know, actually, we didn't open the chute, but we jumped and... They showed us how to how to land. You know, we hit. Yeah, yeah. You hit with your feet. You rolled. You rolled. Yeah. You didn't stand. You you your, your shock would break your legs. Yeah. The minute you hit, you curl up. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we're seven seconds left on this one. So then I'll up to I'll uh I'll edit this one and then we'll go into the. Okay. So we're back. Back on the air. Okay. So I also saw within your scrapbook that you went on an honor flight. Now tell me about that. I think that's super interesting. Well, when I was uh, in training, I went from one base to another with another fella, just him and I. And we ended up in Washington, D.C. We had a break between trains, and I said to the guy, I said to the, so let's go see the city, because I was always interested. Yeah. So we got out of the Union Station and took three steps off the curb, and the cop had us by the shoulder. <laughs> no jaywalking in Washington, D.C. $5 fine. <laughs> well, that was like 100 bucks today. And we were getting paid $78 a month. I said, let's go back. And I never, never went back. And I, I always wanted to go back because I was always interested in the city, in what politics of Washington. Well, I come back. I got married. I struggled to make a living to support my wife. My wife was sickly. We didn't go anywhere. The traveling was no good. And finally, she passed away. I said, well, maybe I can go on a bus trip now. Yeah. Who am I going to go with? So my granddaughter was at the Baltimore, Washington airport, and she saw an honor flight go by. That could be for my grandpa. So 
So she got me an application, and we went. That's incredible. And I've got pictures in here of the honor, my honor flight. It was one of the most incredible experiences in my life. I was so thrilled. It was all one day. It's one of the most memorable, memorable day of my life. Unbelievable. We got, we 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 uh, left. We had to get down to uh, Logan. The the uh, we all met at the uh, state police barracks just outside of Logan. Mm -hmm. And we all gathered there, and all oh, they treated us like kings. <laughs> all kind of coffees and goodies and everything. And each, my granddaughter, came, each of us had a guide, a guardian, and we had to sit in a wheelchair. And now there was wheelchairs under the bus, so there was all the veterans. There were three buses. We come out of the state police barracks, got on a bus, and motorcycle escort right into Logan. That's awesome. Right up to the main door. Big banner, honor flight, New England. We got on the wheelchair. Oh, my God. People were, well, I got pictures of it. Yeah. Did you see them? Yeah. They were incredible. Unbelievable. I felt like I was MacArthur coming back from Japan, <laughs> you know. And I enjoyed it. Oh. My granddaughter was with me, and uh, it was the most wonderful experience I, of my life. I was—it's a dream come true, you know. Yeah. I never wanted—I never thought I'd be able to go. I never ever forgot it. I saw the changing of the guard. That uh, it's incredible. I've seen uh, that too. Oh, you've seen it. Yep. You've been there. Yeah. So I don't have to tell you. It's a. Uh, it's Incredible thing to see. You know what impressed me the most? The Korean Memorial. Oh, yeah. It's it's amazing. Absolutely. Now, amazing. I don't know if you noticed, but I know there are all these statues. Yep. And you walk around. And they're all looking different and directions. every one of them is looking at you. Yeah. Oh, they did that. I don't know. But boy, that it's, is inspiring. They did an amazing job with it. Unbelievable. Uh, did you? What time of day did you see it at? Because I saw it at nighttime, and it was. It must have been around one o'clock or so. And I, one of the most precious things I followed the trip. You know the statue of Abraham Lincoln there? I yeah. saw, I was looking at that all my life. <laughs> I got a picture of my granddaughter and I standing right in front of it. I got it <laughs> like a To me, that's the most precious yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And then after, on the way home, see, we, we, we flew into Baltimore, Washington, which is maybe... 28, 30 miles away from the city because we couldn't land in Washington, you know. Yeah. But we had a motorcycle escort all the way. Going through the streets of Washington, the motorcycle stopping everything. Well, afterwards, we came back. And before we got on a plane in Baltimore, we had a nice sit-down dinner. Mm -hmm. 
And while I was sitting there, Channel 40 grabbed me and put me out in the lawn <laughs> with my granddaughter and, and interviewed me. Mm -hmm. And that was on TV. Yeah. And when we got to the airport in Washington, <laughs> in Baltimore, we had a party like you could never. <laughs> they had all the wheelchairs there, and we had a long wait for the plane. We had a we had a jukebox. We were playing music and we were <laughs> dancing. People were coming off and dancing with us. What a big, what a beautiful time. Yeah, I'll never forget it. Yeah, I bet. It sounded incredible. It Washington's an amazing place. It's, yes. it's so beautiful. But that those people that are running in those honor flights, it's expensive. Oh, I bet. And they draw the money. Yeah. The one that runs New England area is a guy by the name of Joe uh, Byron. <laughs> and he comes in here and he gets he recruits people to go. Well, you guys definitely deserve it. Definitely deserve it in every aspect. He is the nicest guy in the world. Nicest man in the world. So that's the story, brother. What'd you uh what'd you think of Arlington? Huh? What did you think of uh Arlington National Cemetery? I uh, changing of the guard, I couldn't believe it. It's unbelievable. How those Marines do it, I don't know. That that whole it was cemetery. it's amazing. I got pictures of Standing outside the bus, yeah. That whole cemetery speaks numbers, it's like though. A it's, city. Yeah, it's in, it's huge, and it's, it's gonna, gonna, it just keeps growing and growing. Yeah, and it's pretty, and it's so clean. Yeah, and they, the some of the presidents are buried there. It's just such a such an immense place. The same. The trouble is, I find very regrettable. There's not many people like you that see the value of this. Yeah. People, they have no idea. Some people don't have respect for it, and it's just terrible. And you know something? You're all the more richer for it because you've got values and you've got memories and you know what's important. Yeah. And my friend, that is the most important thing in your life. To be true to your values. Yes, sir. She'll know. She knows. You're very, very fortunate that you have two beautiful parents that have given you values. They can't give you anything more. Because when you go out of that out of that family and start your own, you're on your own, brother. Yeah. And you better have the ammunition that they gave you. <laughs> <laughs> that speaks numbers. It really does. Yeah. I, I was uh, I six brothers and th three brothers and three sisters, and I'm the last one. And I remember every one of them like they were yesterday. I remember their good faults, their bad faults. I remember mine and theirs. You got to be true to yourself. Yeah, that's you do. It. Yeah. Let's see. So that's it, my young man. I. Hope I can get a chance Still got to more follow your career me. as you get older. But I, you better hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. And um, what 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 were your plans after the war? Bring for input. What did you do? Well, as strange as it seems, I 
want to become an air, air, uh, airplane mechanic. Mm-hmm. So I applied for airplane mechanic school to work in the air factory around here. And then I got married, and uh, right around the corner was a drugstore there, and uh, the druggist wanted me to go to pharmacy school. <laughs> well, I was already signed up for airplane mechanics, and I don't think I could. So I tried to switch, and they said, no, you're already hooked up for this. You can't change. So I never did. But I'm glad I didn't because I was horrible at chemistry. In high school, I was horrible at chemistry. But it was, he, the guy was pushing me, you know. Yeah. But that was, that's, yeah. So, we're almost done. Uh, so, uh, here's some little closing remarks if you have any, like, about the war, anything else, or what you'd want to say to this generation of people. Well, I'm rather disappointed, but my period in history has gone by. And I, I'm very, very not disappointed, but alarmed at the way this country's going. Yeah. Now, I've studied politics. I can name you every single president <laughs> since 1924 and the year that he was elected in succession. That's impressive. That's super impressive. You can ask me any year and I'll tell you who the president was. Well, I see the total disregard for the for the, the the tradition and the culture in this country. That, First place, abortion, which is another issue. Uh, protesting, complete disregard for law and order. Yeah. You watch, you know, people say to me, oh, you're watching Fox News. You don't watch, no, I watch Fox because I get the other side of the story. You watch CNN, MSNBC, or you get one side. Get, Go for the other side. I watch both sides. Yeah. And I know who's right as far as I'm concerned. People, when when Ronald Reagan got elected, I said, oh, my God, a movie star for a, for a president. Oh, my God. Turned out he broke the Soviet empire. Yeah. He did. When... when uh, Donald Trump, <laughs> I went on Facebook. I didn't like Hillary. I never liked her. Mm -hmm. I went on Facebook and I wrote, if Donald Trump gets the Republican nomination, I will hold my nose, take an anti-diarrhea pill, and vote for Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> I went on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a gun. He won the nomination. <laughs> I says, oh my God. And you know, I tell people around here, they say, oh, you like Trump. I said, listen, I don't care if Trump dances naked in front, of this, in front of the White House. I'll vote for him for only one reason. What's that? He got rid of Hillary. <laughs> Hillary was the most corrupt politician. 
and the most greedy politician that ever came on the scene. Now, I remember when he was Attorney General of Arkansas, before he was even governor, yeah. they became involved in a land scheme, and it was crooked. They were going to develop this area called Whitewater. They were going to, and there was a, uh, a land speculator that was behind it, and he was using them for their political. Yeah. Well, they engaged in that, and it, it fell through. They, 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 they gathered a lot of money, and it fell through, and, it, and everybody lost a lot of money. Well, right after that, Hillary, he becomes the governor. Some uh, stockbroker gave her a, a, a th I think it was a thousand or ten thousand dollars, and that ten thousand dollars, and a week later she had a hundred thousand dollars. It's and she invested in what, believe it or not, pork bellies. I don't know what the hell yep, pork, pork, pork belly spending. Well, she invested in pork bellies, and in two weeks she had a hundred thousand dollars. That's crooked. Yeah, she was greedy to the point of. Money, 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 money. Now, when he got involved with Monica, your father was involved with what would she do? Hit the road, Jack, <laughs> right? She stuck by him. You know why? Because she was power hungry. Yeah. He was at the top, and she wanted to stay there. And you know something? She still got her nose in things. Oh, yeah. Nope. It's a crazy world we live it's, in. The Democratic Party had been taken over by socialists. And socialism is the next step to communism because that's how it started yeah. in Russia. That's how it started in in Egypt. That's how it started in Libya. That's how it started, and it, it collapsed. Yeah. Now, when you got that cuckoo there, I don't know if you listen to her. Cor Cortez, you know her? Mm -mm. Well, she's 28 years old. And she's from New York. And she's all over the television. She's an authority now. And she's the one that uh, is in on this new, she presented this new deal of uh, environment, the green, she present, and she got elected to Congress now. And she's on her first try, no political experience. Somebody's pushing her. She's a puppet, you know. Yeah. Well, she's 28 years old. She's too young to be president. And and she's got as much exposure. Where is she getting it? Okay, CNN and MSNBC. And she she's now in Congress. Yeah. And she putting up a new green plan to save the earth from environmental and by and by 2030 no more airplanes <laughs> no more airplanes she's going to get rid of fossil fuels uh, every house every resident every building has got to be uh, restructured to get uh, solar power mm -hmm. and no uh, no more fossil fuels for no furnaces. The electricity, uh, all the power plants. If even some of the Democrats are voting against her. Yeah. But, but this is what, what scares you is that 
the exposure that they're getting. It's, there are, there, I don't know if you know what a cabal is. No. A cabal is a group of powerful, most powerful people that get together and they have an agenda and they're, they've got the power. They buy the politicians, they even buy the presidents. Mm -hmm. And they're running things. And they're the ones right now that want us to go socialist because they know if we go socialist, they're going to control the world. And, and that's what it is. Yeah. And people don't realize it, but they'll find out the hard way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's too bad. It's a, it's a negative outlook, but it's a realistic one. Yeah. Pay attention. Don't vote for it. Bernie Saunders. Now, back in 1968, the Vietnam War, people were fed up with it. They were protesting it. Yeah. And there was a, a, a national convention for the Democrats in Chicago. And in night, Kennedy was killed in 63. Johnson became president. He got reelected in 64, and he screwed up the Vietnam War so bad that he refused to run in 68. Yeah. So his vice president was a guy by the name of Hubert Humphrey. <laughs> and a very smart, they call him Happy Hubert. He was very smart, very, uh, he, I don't know how the right way. He was a standard, you know. He was. Yeah. But the protesters against the war, there were some socialists in there. They wanted to get in there. And they were right the, the convention hall was here in Chicago, right across the street. It was a big park. And mm -hmm. the nights of the convention, I remember watching it on TV. And if you research it, you can see it too. There was a big protesters in there. And the, uh, the mayor of Chicago didn't want to upset the convention. His name was uh, Daly, Mayor Daly. Mayor Daly sent the police into the park with billy clubs and they beat the daylights out of the protesters. And that was the beginning of the uprisings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, they, they were supporting a guy by the name of uh, uh, McCarthy. Oh, okay, yeah. And yep. he was going to be the, the opposition. He was going to change the war, and we we're going back to, you know, socialism. Mm -hmm. Well, he got beat after that. And, you know, you you know an actress by the name of Shirley MacLaine? Mm -hmm. well, Shirley MacLaine was one of the activists in the protest at the convention. People don't know that, but mm -hmm. that's, that impressed me. But that's when... Hubert Humphrey became the national, the, kept the nomination. Nope. <laughs> but, but Richard Nixon beat him. Yeah. <laughs> what a turn of events that was. It's, it was terrible. Politics in this country, boy, <laughs> it makes like a stranger than fiction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, well, you know how I feel? How you feel? And... Like I say, I know I maybe I'm wrong, but, but I believe 
There's only one right and there's only one way to wrong. One right, one wrong. If you, if you know it's right, you do it. If it's wrong, if you know it's wrong, you do it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, the people say, go. God doesn't worry. You remember, I'll tell you a story. I heard this from a priest. There was a flood. This guy's house was getting flooded. And the bus came by and wanted to take him out of his house. No, no, God's going to take care of me. So the water got a little higher and a little higher. Got up on the second floor. A boat come by. Come on, we'll take you out. No, no, God's going to take care of me. Don't worry, all right. The water come up. He's up on the roof. He sent a helicopter. No, God's, God's going to take care of me. Well, the house went swimming away, and he went away with it. So he got up. He drowned. He went up to the pearly gates, knocked at the door. God says, what are you doing here? He says, you didn't take care of me. I tried to tell you. I, I counted on you. What do you mean I didn't take care of you? I sent you a bus. <laughs> I sent you a boat and I sent you a helicopter. <laughs> you see, you're responsible for what you do. Yeah. Wow. So we made it to our last question. And I saw within your scrapbook that you wrote a poem for your brother. Yeah. Could you recite the poem for me? Of course. <sighs> that poem. Is hanging up. I you know, yeah. Come on. It's. I got a copy of it here too. I, I can mail you a well, I can send you a copy. Yeah, maybe a copy. Well, it was because we knew the war was over, and of course I was very religious. I was brought up very religious, and I want to thank God that I survived, and that. Well, so I want to say thank you. So I took a piece, and I was always had. To, a talent for writing poetry. I, I enjoyed it, you know, in school. So I got out there and I used to scribble, scribble, scribble. And um, I brought it in. And guys, the guy next to me used to be an artist for Walt Disney. Yeah. He showed He says, what's that? I said, I wrote a poem. He read it. Let me see that. That poem, that thing he did is freehand. Wow. That's he did that freehand. Oh, my God, that's beautiful. So my brother was in seminary in Montreal, and I rolled it up carefully. I put it in a tube, you know, and I sent it to him. I forgot about it. My brother became a priest, became a monsignor, became a vicar general in the Worcester Diet, a big shot in the church. And he died in 1998. And we went. they went through his things. They brought a lot of his personal things. And that poem was there. I could not believe my eyes that he kept that for all those years. That was really, uh, truly, um, it hit me. Yeah. So that I mean, that is one of the proudest things I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. A soldier says thanks. I'm just a plain soldier, see? There are millions around just like me. We fought and trained, drilled and swore. We survived a horrible war. The taps that played faded away. A grateful name, a grateful world kneels to pray. 
The taps, the planes are down, the guns are stilled, the peace of heaven is fulfilled. Through this war has come much sorrow, thousands died for our tomorrow. Row on row of pure white crosses, your gain, God, our mother's losses. I've seen these men, their cares and woes, they've come and gone like a river flows. But even a river ends somewhere. In that place, God, I know you're there. Thank you for the right to say I'm free, to live that way for eternity. Stay by our side, that's all we ask. And we can beat the greatest task. Yes, I'm just a plain soldier, see? There are millions around, just like me. Yet somehow I just had to say, thank you, God, for today. That's an amazing poem. Yep. That's beautiful. And I'm proud of it. And uh, it's hanging up in the hall there. We went on the honor flight, and I had that. And Joe Byron read, was, read it. And he got to the part of row on row, pure white crosses, and he broke down. So I felt honored to say that other people got it's the message. Poem. It's an amazing poem. Yeah. Well, Thank you for the interview. It was incredible. It was truly an it's honor. It's my pleasure. I feel honored. <laughs> it was truly an honor. I'm I'm beyond excited. Now, was... if you go viral, we're going to split the money. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Listen, my friend, one thing. I told you to keep your values. But the next the most important thing, keep your sense of humor. <laughs> keep your sense of humor. You, you know? need it. Yeah, you need it in this world. Be grateful for each day. There's good you, in every day. You just gotta find it. You got the biggest pri prize in the world: two good parents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> two good parents. Uh, we should get going. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good night. Yeah.